0: We encourage Lurid listeners to be playful, enjoy yourselves, your partners, and your sexuality. This show is for adults only and is a hands-free listening experience. Well, at least one hand. Hey, hey, Lurid listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quick's Erotica Podcast. This is Rose Carraway and joining me as usual, is Big Daddy Dave Caraway Say, hey, Big Daddy. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> he, he's not down between uh, my legs, I promise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you know that is what I was trying to do is hilarious. <laughs> We've been together for way
0: too long, I guess. Yeah, long to, uh, yeah. I, what did you just say to me the other day? I know you better than you you know yourself. Yeah. All right, so what have we got? We're today we are continuing with our promotion of Rachel Kramer Bussell's Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 4. We released that audiobook a little bit ago, uh, but we have a couple more episodes that we'd like to highlight that audiobook with. And today's story is super sweet. It's a very tender tale titled Seven Sweets and Seven Sours. By Megan Hart, as featured in Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 4. And it is themed around outliers and risk takers, which I totally loved. This audiobook narration went so well for me. I related to like every single character in that book. It was wonderful. Um, Best
1: one ever, really, in my opinion.
0: Well, now, wait. (laughs) Maybe.
1: (laughs) In my opinion, it's the best B.W.E ever
0: yeah it's it's focused on women who put themselves out there by asking for what they want all in the name of erotic gratification which it doesn't get better than that right
1: no finding
0: that within ourselves to speak it out loud and demand it or ask however the case may be however the role is (laughs) (laughs) but first before we get to that story let's read some lurid listener emails what do you got over there big daddy
1: well, this one's just here to fluff or nutter.
0: our nutter. Okay. <laughs> fluff away. <laughs> they are male fluffers, right? The, Not is, just female fluffers, right? That I'm assuming in gay porn, all the fluffers are male.
1: I, I would have zero idea about I, that. I <laughs> wouldn't <laughs> know. I don't hang out don't in the get, back sets of porn. I don't stuff get stuff. much behind or, the
0: scenes. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, my assumption We're is, yes, yes. So if you're a gay <laughs> porn star, you probably have gay fluffers.
0: Which has nothing. Well kind of relates to today's story, but not in the mail way. <laughs> okay, go ahead. What's the email?
1: Okay. Hi, Rose and Big Daddy. I recently had a flight canceled and had to drive to a business meeting. While waiting for the rental car to be processed, I downloaded a few of my normal podcasts for the trip. Yours was on the suggested listening list. As I was driving alone for eight hours, no kids, no colleagues, I thought, what the heck? Might as well. It was the best decision I made for a while. Yeah. Listening to the stories, instead of news or sports or regular podcasts, was, well, enjoyable. Arousing, of course. But I also found that the time passed more quickly. I stayed alert during the drive and didn't feel so tired by the time I got to my destination. Fabulous. I got through my meetings, super focused, and enjoyed another safe and enjoyable drive back a few days later. Thanks for the podcast and keeping me, in quotes, alert. (laughs) <laughs> I love it <laughs> And safe while on the road I look forward to tuning in more often Thank you, Gary from London
0: Oh, thank you so much, Gary Yay! I could not agree more Instead of listening to the news Ugh. I mean, some sports stuff is fine Like the basketball stuff But everything else, I don't want to listen to the radio at all Maybe even some other podcast I'm done I'm done with the news for right now Um, Listening I can't to help her?
1: watching the news, so it is know, good to <laughs> kind of force yourself <laughs> well... <laughs> out of it because I get stuck in this this news hole yes. of terribleness. Yes, uh, especially these last few years. Um, but yeah,
0: everybody so everybody's rubbing their their temples yeah, right now. Exactly. Listen, going, oh, oh my god, there's
1: just so much crap. I can't take anymore. Yeah,
0: yeah I think that um, you know, listening to sh- shows like the KMQ, especially the KMQ. It helps to just center us back into who we are as individual people. It just brings our world a little smaller and refreshes everything and lets us get back to what's important to us within ourselves and at home. And then that sort of refresher allows us to tune back into the news. <laughs> you have to take a break. If you don't, you're going to go nuts. You've got to give yourself a break and the leeway to experiment with some erotica audio. Here, here. Audio erotica, Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Gary. We're glad you're listening and tune in because we got a hell of a lot more coming for you. If you would like to reach out with a fabulous email, you can do so. Just email us at thekissmequicks at com. Follow us on Twitter at the KMQ. We've got a lot of announcements coming, lots of giveaways. A new call for submissions is coming. Uh, Our phone number is 202-810-KISS if you'd like to leave us a sexy voicemail. It doesn't have to be sexy. It could be a question or whatever. An anecdote. I don't know. Anything you like, we'd love to hear from you. All right. That's it. Let's get to the story. What do you say? Let's just get on it. All right. Today's story is titled Seven Sweets and Seven Sours by Megan Hart, as featured in Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 4. But before our story begins, check out our latest audiobooks. In erotic teasers, award-winning editor Rachel Kramer-Bussell has collected sexy short stories that will keep you on edge. From orgasm denial... To remote control panties, these characters are made to wait, and they love every minute. From dominant, submissive relationships to futuristic settings, they have perfected the thrill of teasing, taunting, and exerting control over their partners, who may protest but really relish being made to hold off. These men and women ache with yearning. You'll relish every lusty, agonizing moment as these men and women wait for the most arousing reward for their patience. Erotic Teasers, edited by Rachel Kramer Bussell. In Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 4. Award-winning editor Rachel Kramer-Bussell has gathered the hottest, sexy stories starring outspoken women who daringly pursue love and lust. You'll hear about a single mom who goes back to college and gets some very hands-on education from her hot professor, an Amish woman tenderly revealing her most intimate desires, and a woman who crafts the man of her dreams from outsiders who lustily claim their place without apology to women taking the boldest of risks with their hearts and their bodies. Best Women's Erotica of the Year, volume four. These sizzling stories are sure to make your heart pound. In iTunes, Audible, or on Amazon, And now, Seven Sweets and Seven Sours by Megan Hart. Featured in Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 4. I have a suitcase packed and ready to go. It doesn't hold much, a pair of black trousers I took from my brother Jacob's room one of his white shirts, a pair of socks. I'll wear the pair of hiking boots I bought from the local English department store and have hidden in the suitcase behind the chicken house, where my dad will never find it. My mam might have, if she hadn't passed on last year. She was the reason I hadn't left, but she's gone. For now, I wear my plain brown dress and the white mesh prayer cap. The ribbons dangle down my back, along with my thick braid. My legs and feet are bare, my toes dirty. When I live among the English, I will never have dirty feet. I will cut my hair short and never wear a dress again. Hannah's house is dim and cooler than the late August day outside. I brace myself for the possibility that her mother-in-law, Rebecca, will be in the kitchen when I come in through the back door. But the room is empty. From upstairs, I can hear the faint sing song of Hannah's lullaby. She must be nursing the baby. He is only four months old and will sleep after she finishes. We will have an hour or two before he wakes. I'm too eager. I take the stairs two at a time, my bare feet slapping the wood. I've been told too often I talk too loud, run too fast, argue too fiercely. My father scolds that I'm not womanly, and that's the truth. I am not a woman, even if I wear the dress and grow my hair long and do the baking and washing, even if I have managed to learn, sometimes, to bow my head the way a woman should. I have never been a woman. Mary, Hannah says, as though she's surprised to see me. I told her I was coming over today. She didn't forget. She always pretends she is surprised when I arrive. I understand why. In case there is someone to overhear us, she needs to be able to pretend she didn't know. She's never told me that, but I understand her. We've been friends since we were infants in our ma'am's arms. I know her better than anyone ever will, even if Hannah will not admit it. The baby in her arms falls away from her breast. His small mouth lacks in sleep. He suckles the air for a moment before going still. Hannah puts him to her shoulder as she stands from her seat in the rocker in the corner. Her hand rubs along his tiny back until he belches so loud we both laugh and she hushes me with her eyes alight with glee. Don't wake him, she says. Silently, I stand aside while she settles the baby into the cradle near her side of the bed. He stirs but doesn't wake. She turns to me without a word. We never speak about the things we do when her husband is away in the woodshop. Hannah, I think, prefers to tell herself that every time is the last time. Even though I know she feels guilty about it, and I know she intends that every time should be the last, it has never yet been. Until today. Today is the last time I will savor her seven sweets and seven sours. I know it. Hannah does not. When I try to kiss her mouth, she turns her face. Her eyes close. Her head falls back, giving me access to her throat with my tongue, my teeth, my lips. Her throat works with a moan, and I back her up to the bed. She's expecting me to push her onto it, but instead, I pluck at the hook and eye closures on her dress. What are you doing? Her eyes wide. Hannah puts a hand over mine to stop me. She says the words in Pennsylvania Dutch. I answer, in English, I want to see all of you. Hannah shakes her head, and as I step back and begin to undo the hooks of my own dress, she averts her eyes. Even when I am naked in front of her, she won't look. I shiver with a feeling of freedom and say her name. If Ephraim comes home, he never does. Someone else could come, she says. Like putting the suitcase behind the chicken house, this is a risk I'm willing to take. Once again, I move to tug at the closures on her dress. This time, she lets me. She shakes when she stands naked in front of me. And of course, I pull her close. Our bodies align. I'm only a little taller than she is. She can bury her face against the side of my neck. I stroke her naked back. I unpin the thick coil of her hair so that it falls to her hips. I lay her back on the bed and she covers her eyes with her hands, but her thighs open for me the way they always have, since that first time so many years ago. It was rumspringer then, our time to run wild, and we'd been drinking from a bottle of cheap vodka someone's older brother had bought in town. We'd stumbled home to share her sagging bed in the smallest room, covering our giggles with our hands, imagining her parents would not hear us or know what we'd been doing. They'd turn a blind eye to the alcohol. They would not have done the same to what we'd done together in that bed. Look at me, I tell her now. My voice is hard and firm and low, rough. It is not a feminine voice of soft murmurs and gentle request. My voice is a command, a man's voice, and Hannah responds as she would to a man who'd spoken. She pulls her hands away. Her lips are wet from where she'd licked them. Her nipples are tight and hard, like my own, but Hannah's breasts are full, weighty with milk. Her soft belly, rounder than mine, is crisscrossed with stripes from childbirth. I love those marks, the way I love everything about her body. When I lift her foot to my lips, she gasps and tries to pull it away, but I hold her tight and press a kiss to the sole. I nibble her ankle, her calf. By the time I make my way to her knee, she is panting softly and rolling her hips upward. I take my time to relish every single inch of her. Seven sweets, I say, in a tiny, sharper bite to the softness of her inner thigh. Seven sours, all of your flavors. It is a reference to the tradition of Amish dinners, featuring seven sweet and seven sour dishes. It's not a true tradition at all. It was created to promote tourism, but the tourists who fled this area in search of an authentic Amish meal have come to expect it, so it's become common enough for us, too. And it fits here, because Hannah is an entire smorgasbord of flavors, scents, and tastes. A tangy musk of her center sends a rush of heat through me. I inhale her again and again, until she wriggles and protests, but with laughter. Her giggles turn breathless when I slide my tongue along her savory folds to find the tight, sweet knot of her pleasure. I close my eyes, drinking her in. The sweets, the sours, everything about her in this moment. My own body tenses, clutching at nothing. On the bed, I grind my pelvis against the plain white sheets as I kiss between her legs again and again. Hannah opens for me like a flower that follows the sun, and I'm the bee sipping at her nectar. She floods my tongue with it. Sweet, slippery fluid drips down her thighs and covers my mouth and chin. I cannot get enough. I lap in slow, steady strokes of my tongue. That little bead of flesh swells between my lips. My tongue dips a little lower, pushing inside. Hannah shudders, but muffles her cry with a pillow over her face. I replace my tongue with three fingers sliding deep inside her. The first time we did this, I could only slip a single finger inside her, but time has passed. I don't think about the reasons why her body can accommodate me better now. To think of that in this moment would make this wrong, and I won't believe it is. No matter what anyone might say. No matter if getting caught means we will be shamed and shunned. What Hannah and I do now is not wrong. It is the best and most pure expression of love I have ever known. Against the bed, I grind, grind, grind. It's different than how I do it at home when I'm alone. There, I use my fingers to slide between my thighs and find my own pleasure spot. Here, with Hannah, my body wants to move and thrust in time with what I'm doing to her with my mouth and fingers. In my mind, with her, I am complete down there, instead of feeling as though this emptiness inside me is echoed by my real and literal opening. With Hannah, I feel more like the person I know I am than any other time. And so I groan into her sweet, hot flesh as I push myself against the bed and imagine what it would be like to push inside her. Not with my fingers, but the way a man would. The rush of desire takes my breath away. I can't think beyond it. Everything inside me focuses on this, the rising wave of pleasure that builds like a storm. The thunder will crash, the lightning will strike. But first, I want to make Hannah shake and cry out. I want to feel her body clutching the invasion of my fingers. I want that sweet little knot to pulse beneath my tongue. I want her to break apart underneath me. I want us both to shatter together. I slide my fingers faster, twisting. I ease off the pressure of my tongue and lips so I can sip at her honey. Tasting Hannah truly is all the sweets, all the sours. She is tangy and musky and different than the way I taste and smell the times I've lifted my fingertips to my nose after touching myself. I would know her by this scent, by the flavor. In a dark room with a hundred strangers, I would know Hannah by the in-out hush of her breath. Her body tenses, her hips rock. She's begun to make those tiny mewling and desperate sounds in the back of her throat muffled by the pillow on her face, but I can still hear them. The sharp intake of her breath, the low moan, the sound of her ecstasy pushes me to grind harder against the mattress. I am almost there. So close my body trembles. My rear cheeks clench. My toes are curling. I can't focus on her. Not this close to going over the edge myself. So I slow my urgent thrusting. I want to be able to remember every twitch and clutch of muscles. Every sound she makes. Every second of this has to stay with me forever, because I know this is going to be the last time. A harsher, guttural groan slips out of her. Hannah claps a hand to the back of my head, holding my mouth against her as she writhes. Her sweet and sticky slipperiness floods my tongue. I can't breathe. I can only breathe. She has never moved this fiercely beneath me before. I almost can't hold on to her. I definitely can no longer hold back myself. As Hannah gives one last, hard thrust upward against my mouth, her body tightens around my fingers. Everything inside her bears down, clench, release, rapid squeezes. I thrust against the mattress, I shake, I cry out into her fragrant deliciousness and spill over into my own final, writhing desire. In the aftermath, I want to fall onto the bed next to her and sleep. But we don't have that luxury. The baby is already stirring. We've nearly woken him. Hannah leans over the cradle to check. But so far, he's settled back into dreams. She looks at me over her shoulder. I need to get dressed. You too. Hurry. I don't move. Not at first. Then I sit to put my knees to the side so I can lean close to her. I put a hand on her shoulder. Not yet. Mary, I have to. Hannah mutters. She's back to not looking at me. I flinch at the sound of that name. When I am away from here, when I've cut my hair and started dressing in men's clothes, I'm going to choose a brand new name. I don't know what it'll be yet, but it will be new the way I will be new. Another moment, they. I say, please. She doesn't protest when I slide up to her back and press my chin into the curve of her shoulder. My arms go around her to cup her breasts. She sighs and twists to face me as we lie back on the bed. When she pulls my head down to her nipple, I close my eyes and take it in my mouth. After a moment, there is a new flavor, hot and sweet. If I could lie here forever, both of us naked, if I could live with Hannah this way, always, she could nourish me. I would take care of her better than her husband does. He provides for her and for their son. I would love her better. I already do. You can come with me, Hannah. I shouldn't have said it. Hannah twists away from me. Her nipples are dripping, and she stops the flow with a practiced pinch of her thumb and forefinger. She sighs. Her shoulders slump. Her head hangs. You want me to leave everything I've ever known? My son? Bring him, I say, although the truth is, I know she never will. What could the two of us do out there in the world with an infant? In all my fantasies over the years, it's always been me and Hannah. I should have asked her before she agreed to become Ephraim Zook's wife. I should have been brave. I love you, I tell her in Pennsylvania Dutch. Hannah does not say it back. She never has. But I've seen the truth in her eyes and her smile. I've tasted it on her kisses. She hasn't allowed me to kiss her on the mouth since she got married, but I still remember how it felt. I love you, I repeat, this time in English. Come away with me. I'll find work. I'll take care of you. You want to be my husband? Yes, I say. She shakes her head. Her laugh is not cruel, and there is no humor in it. I thought all of this would go away. It won't. I have to leave. Why can't you just stay? Take a husband. Opet Yoder's been sweet on you for years. The thought of it is enough to push me from the bed. I began to put on my dress. My fingers move without my mind having to work. They fumbled when I tried to put on my brother's trousers, but once they were on, I felt at home. Not as though I've been wearing a costume, the way I've felt for as long as I can remember. <laughs> Mary, Hannah says, stopping me. Her baby wails, and she lifts him to her shoulder. Her eyes meet mine, and this time she does not look away. She stands fully naked in front of me, no longer in a rush to cover herself. My hands are shaking, so I close them into fists. Stay, Hannah whispers. Come with me, comes my reply. When she does not answer me, I smile because I cannot bear to let her see my pain. I know she couldn't go with me. She knows I cannot stay. We are both caught. I don't kiss her one last time. I give her a single nod and leave her in the bedroom. Behind me, the wail of the baby rises up and up, quickly hushed. The last thing I hear before I leave the house through the kitchen door is the sound of Hannah singing to him. And then, I am free. me shakti and all my ladies in the West. and ladies in the east we about to take over this beast Alright ladies, it's time to stand up. Come on, fellas, take away your girl crush. We gotta make moves, it's time to break through. It's the age of feminine. What you gonna do? You see this system has long been a joke. Patriarchy, they're killing innocent folk. Fuck the shell and the way they saving all the yoke. Inside
1: 360, we rep the second soap he been on my case, then I can feel him choke. They wasted our trust, and now we must re Will you blindly follow pulling up that coat? That's conscious on
0: your side. Alright, you guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. That was Seven Sweets and Seven Sours by Megan Hart, featured in Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 4, edited by Rachel Kramer-Bussell. You guys can follow Megan Hart on Twitter at Megan underscore Hart. Follow the show on Twitter, you guys, at TheKMQ. You can follow me at Rose Carraway and Big Daddy at Big Daddy Dave. Subscribe to the Kiss Me Quick's newsletter and get KMQ episodes delivered right to your inbox. If you want to support the show and get more sexy stories, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Don't forget to leave us a sexy review. Audio production by Big Daddy, Dave Carraway.
1: The KMQ would like to thank the following musical artists. Nylor, broke for free. Axel Tree, Dr. Turtle, Josh Woodward, Fog Lake, Nysel 23, and the feature credit song Age of Feminine by Kelly Mays. The KMQ introduction music by Vivage.
0: The Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 4. The weapons inspector in the US. Who is the real threat? I know you suspect, and while you reflect, we leak to check with Azu Infects. I'm about to defect. until then I'll be right and I'll be right and check. Alright, ladies, it's time to stand up. Come on, fellas, take away your girl crush. We gotta make moves, it's time to break through. It's the age feminine. What you gonna do? Come on, ladies, it's time to stand up. Stupid fish. I'm the first one to admit it. I'm a pushover for an amusing sex toy. Vibrating nipple clamps and dildos, posture collars, inflatable butt plugs, penis gags, rhinestone-studded leashes. Well, you name it. I just can't resist buying it and trying it out on my sex slave, Dory. Poor girl. She knows she's in trouble when the FedEx man delivers the package containing the heavy-duty black canvas love sling that I'd ordered online. In fact, I get so excited visualizing how her naked lady parts will look once she's fastened into it, I rip the package open like a kid on Christmas morning, ready to try it out the minute it's out of the box. You're gonna love this one, baby, I promise Dory, who eyes me with suspicion. What insane torment do you have planned for me now, Wayne? she inquires, rolling her big chocolate-brown eyes at me and folding her arms across her chest. But I just give her the look that reminds her of the rules and regulations of our relationship. And as always, she's my good girl and doesn't spoil my fun. After turning up the thermostat so she won't freeze her little ass off, Dory obediently heads for the playroom, where she strips down and kneels before me knees wide apart, and hands behind her head in slave pose while I set the thing up. It only takes a minute to suspend four lengths of chain from the seven-inch-long eye bolts that I drilled in the ceiling joists years ago. Then, using heavy-duty snap hooks, I connect the four D-rings at each corner of the sling, taking care to adjust it to the exact height of my cock. Okay, now lie back into it. I order, and scooch forward a bit so your ass hangs out over the sling's bottom edge. My girl rolls her eyes, but does what I tell her to. Yeah, that's the way, that's my good girl, I say. Once she settles into the love sling, I secure her in place by cuffing her wrists and ankles and snap-hooking them to the chains, raising her arms high over her head with her legs wide apart. Are you comfortable, baby? I inquire. Sure, Wayne, she says, sounding just a bit bratty. I've never been more comfortable in my life. She's adorable, I think, ignoring her tone. For reasons neither of us fully understand, being bound this way makes Dory flush with embarrassment and her sweet little pussy lips swell up with excitement and i feel my cock begin to stiffen and my balls tighten up as i step back to enjoy the view my eyes linger on her full round breasts with an evil grin i reach for the nipple clamps and move in closer wait please don't she whimpers as i tease her nipples pinching and rolling them between my fingers when they're good and perky i press open the clamps and let the stainless steel jaws crush down on them. She lets out a squeal, and her face scrunches up in the intense sensation. She's told me before that those clamps sting like fire at first, but then, as tiny currents of excitement race through her breasts, they start to feel good. Last I heard, please don't isn't a safe word, I say, and tug at the clamps, igniting her nips all over again, making her moan. Snaking a hand between her legs, I slip two fingers into her pussy to check for moisture. Baby, you are dripping wet, I observe in mock surprise. I inspect my fingers, which are slick with her juices, and lick them clean, one by one. Too bad you're not into this. As Dory glares at me, cheesed off by my cockiness, I bend and kiss her, exploring her mouth with my tongue. In spite of her determination to not seem like a pushover, she melts. Man, she's so damn pretty. I just have to step back and admire her. She flashes a smile, looking up at me with those wanting eyes of hers, and her plump little ass begins clenching and her hips begin bucking. Now that's the girl I know and love. Complaints aside, she's all hot and bothered and ready to be fucked. I smile, envisioning Dory's wet little slit swinging forward and back onto my cock, encasing its entire length within her steamy folds. Damn it, she looks so inviting and her pussy smells so good. I almost lose control and fuck her right then and there but I know from experience she'll be even hotter if I make her wait. Be back in a while, baby, I promise, with a grin. Turning, I exit the playroom and head down the hall. Wait, wait, you can't just leave me here like this, she calls after me. But I just smile and continue on into the kitchen. A cup of coffee would taste real good about now. Minutes go by while the water heats and comes to a boil. I imagine Dory's nipples burning and those big, firm breasts of hers swelling with excitement. About now, they'd be lit up like twin volcanoes, with the heat flowing straight to her hard little clit. Wayne, what on earth are you doing? She calls out as I take my coffee into the study and turn on the computer. Wayne! In case you've forgotten, there's a naked woman suspended in the love sling here, in the playroom. She's lonely and horny, and I know that her nipples are throbbing like mad now. Wayne! Honey, I know you can hear me. My poor girl sounds so desperate that I get up from my desk and walk back down the hall to the playroom. She sighs with relief as I check the circulation in her hands feet and nipples, and ask how they feel. I suppose they're okay, she says, sounding snippy, and shoots me a dirty look. Then what's all the fuss about, my sweet Dory? Surely you weren't complaining, I inquire, arching my brows to pretend disbelief. She won't dignify this with an answer, so I smack her ass hard a few times with the flat of my hand, The slaps make Dory squeal and tighten her ass cheeks. She looks up at me, pouting. My nipples hurt, she whimpers. Her voice is small. Do they really, baby? I croon. My tongue teases the tightly compressed flesh of her rosebuds. She shudders and lets out a moan. I apply clamps to her pussy lips as well. This little action makes her yowl like a wild woman and her hips buck like crazy. The silvery lengths of chain that connect each pair of clamps swing wildly as she thrashes. Here we go, baby. This will take your attention off those poor, aching nipples of yours, I say, grinning demonically as I watch her take long, slow breaths, absorbing every sensation she feels. The look in her eyes informs me that currents of excitement are making her clit stand at attention, spreading through her pussy and flowing into her ass. I stroke her cheek tenderly before heading back down the hall. She fusses for a while, squealing and moaning, but finally quiets down while I sip my coffee and finish up at the computer. When I return to the playroom, I check her hands and feet for circulation. They look and feel fine to me. Are they okay? I ask, and with the air of a martyr, Dory confirms that they are. I tug playfully at her clips, which gets a big rise out of her. Then she lets out a series of blood-curling yelps, as one by one, all four clips are removed. I soothe her sore nipples and swollen pussy lips with the warmth of my tongue, till she's moaning with want. The smell of her excitement surrounds me like an aromatic cloud. My cock swells to bursting as I tease her dripping slit with its tip before plunging straight into her pillowy depths. I spread her ass cheeks wide with my fingers while I pump her and slip my thumb into her tight little hole. She goes flat out of control when I do this, rattling her chains and her pussy muscles clench down on my cock With a strength I can hardly believe. I let out a low groan, seeing lights flash behind my closed eyes as my cock erupts. I feel Dory's whole body stiffen as her orgasm builds beyond bearing. Oh my God, Wayne! She squeals as she finally lets go. We come hard. I stay inside her until our breathing slows down, and I feel my cock begin to soften. My girl's drenched in sweat and limp as a rag doll when I release her from the love sling. I help her to the bathroom for a quick pee before leading her slowly to the bed. I'm glad you like our new toy, baby, I say, grinning, as I tuck her in. And just wait till you see what I bought us online tonight. Love Sling. By Dorothy Freed Dorothy Freed is, as of this story, 71 years old. She claims the distinction of being the oldest practicing erotica writer in the San Francisco Bay Area. This may or may not be true, but it's her story, and she's sticking to it. Her stories are memoir-based, inspired by her long and varied sexual life which, since she began it quite early, now spans 55 years.